0: Welcome to the one and only Interior Design Book Podcast. Decorating by the Book, hosted by Susie Chase from her dining room table in New York City. Join Susie for conversations about the latest and greatest interior design books with the authors who wrote them.
1: I'm Jane Churchill, and I run and own Jane Churchill Interiors. I have a shop in the Pimlico Road in London, where I've been for 100 years, practically. And I did this book on my two aunts, my great-great-aunt Nancy Astor, the sister of my great-grandmother, and Nancy Lancaster, um, who was the sister of my grandmother. Because I found the Mirador cookbook, which is where they were brought up in Virginia, and they were very influential in my life.
0: I'm delighted to have you as a guest on my very first simulcast podcast on cookery by the book and decorating by the book. So let's start the show. American-born, no, I mean Virginian, Nancy Astor and her niece, Nancy Lancaster, were two of Britain's greatest party givers, excelling at gracious entertaining and witty repartee. Talents rooted in their upbringing at Mirador, their family estate in Albemarle County, Virginia. This book pairs archival photos with a newly discovered recipe collection. So you wrote this book with Emily Astor, who is Nancy Astor, Astor's granddaughter. And you briefly talked about it, but I'd love for you to walk me through the genealogy to connect the dots.
1: There were nine children of the Langans from Mirador in Virginia, and Nancy Astor was the youngest. And my great-grandmother, Lizzie, was the eldest. She died when my grandmother was only six years old. So basically, Nancy Astor, brought her up, which is really why we were treated as though we were her grandchildren as well. And um, they both absolutely loved each other. And Nancy Astor came over to England, having been married once before and had a son and married William Waldorf Astor, who was also American. And Nancy Lancaster, who was her niece, my grandmother's elder sister, quite a lot older, she came to England too, even though she was also married to an American
0: So let's start with Nancy Perkins Lancaster, who was born September 10th, 1897, at Mirador. She was said to have the finest taste of almost anyone in the world. She was regarded as the greatest influence on interior decoration and garden design in the latter half of the 20th century. Her name is synonymous with the English style. Indeed, she would come to be seen as the most influential interior decorator of her generation and as a partner in Colfax and Fowler was accredited with upgrading and promoting the traditional English country house style. She created the look of stunning. Studied carelessness and was a percolator of ideas. Now, when I was reading this, I thought this sounded a lot like you. <laughs>
1: How very nice of you. Oh, I'm enjoying that comment. Hmm.
0: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Nancy and then tell me a little bit about your background because I feel like you're so similar.
1: Well, the, the, also the interesting thing about Nancy Lancaster is that when we did this book, we went to all three of her houses, to Ditchley and to Kelmarsh, which I had never been to. I'd been to Ditchley before and Clifton and then also Hazley, which was Nancy Lancaster's last house. But in those three gardens, they are exactly... The same as laid out by Nancy Lancaster and have still been kept up, which is so wonderful and such a sort of tribute to her, but also because they were done without being. Um, absolutely where you have to have 5,000 gardeners etc you know they were very sort of I mean I wouldn't say they're maintenance free but the way she planted it's possible even in today's world to still keep them up which is rather remarkable but um, Hazley was just wonderful because it was so comfortable but her taste was never pretentious I mean the, her bathrooms in those days were like drawing rooms where you know everywhere else you went to had sort of um, cork floors or lino flaws, et cetera, but nasties were made to be like, drawing rooms. But, you know, there were always dogs everywhere. She had delicious food. There were books. There were. it was never in any way contrived. It was a home. And she was just brilliant at making a home. And my sister, Melissa, and I used to go almost every holidays for, you know, say a few days or a week or whatever, and spent time with her, which was wonderful. I think without realizing it, without far more than we ever did at school, you know, because she was just such an extraordinary person. And I never thought of her as being older than me, in a way. She was, she could converse with you and be any age.
0: She kind of reminds me a little bit of Bunny Mellon.
1: Yes, I think. And they, they certainly knew each other. I mean, and I managed to to get into the Bunny Mellon house in when it was being sold in the club in Antigua, where she had a house, pretending we were interested in buying it so lightly. <laughs> but anyway, we got in. And luckily... You know, there was still her thing. And my God, it was wonderful. Because, again, it was the same thing as Aunt Nancy. There were original things like this wonderful sort of trompe l'oeil room as well. And it was original, but without being, oh, God, this is too grand for where it is. You know, they just always seemed to be, uh, they welcomed you. You didn't feel you had to stand on ceremony in any of the rooms. Now to
0: Nancy Astor, who was born Nancy Langen at the Langen House, May nineteenth, eighteen seventy-nine, in Danville, Virginia. She was first married to Robert Gould Shaw the second, divorced in nineteen o three. They were
1: with- quite a well-known family from Boston, actually, because I've met various relations of them over the years. The Shaws. Yes, the Shores. But he unfortunately was, I think he was, he drank. He was an alcoholic. So that was why that ended. And that was kind of unheard of to get divorced in 1903. Well, in those days, exactly. And then end up marrying like she did. I know you're absolutely right. I agree with you. So she was so bold and brave.
0: So then she, as a single mother with a young son, she moved to England and married William Waldorf Astor and became the first woman to sit in parliament. And like Nancy Lancaster, Nancy Astor was known as a witty and interesting American. I love that. And mm. neither of the women were wallflowers. It's interesting that William Waldorf Astor was also born in America and moved to England when he was 12. So they seemed like a really good match after Robert Gould Shaw.
1: Oh, definitely, yes. And she then had five more children, all of whom I knew well. And they've had shed loads of children. So, as you know, so we've got that massive Astor cousins. And we're all very close to them, which is so nice.
0: So, how did she become the first woman to sit in Parliament?
1: Search me. I do, To be honest, I don't know. But it's pretty amazing. I don't <laughs> it know. Because is. Is it was so long ago but it was rather remarkable. And she was always incredibly elegant. You know, you see the pictures of her. I mean, I remember her as being always incredibly elegant. Um, And some people loved her and some hated her, but I mean, that's normal, isn't it, in that kind of world. So there's this well-known portrait
0: of her by John Singer Sargent. And her arms are sort of behind her back. I'm curious to hear about this portrait.
1: I'll tell you why, the, why they're behind her back like that. Because she had her eldest son, Bobby Shaw on you know like in a a piggyback behind her back and they didn't like that and they painted him out and and she obviously didn't want that in or didn't look right so it was painted out but she still stood with her hands behind her back and that picture is still at Clifton on the left hand side as you walk into the Hall um, of of Clifton. And I think my first memory is almost, I remember going to spend Christmas there. I must have been four or five. And as oh, he was standing by the fireplace, I mean, it, I, it's so clear to me even now. And that picture, you know, is on the left. And I've got such a vivid memory of that.
0: It's really gorgeous. And, and you can't tell that it's been tweaked in any sort of way.
1: No, no, but, you know, so many pictures are tweaked, aren't they? And you don't know. <laughs> Thank goodness. Mm. Mm. <laughs>
0: so Nancy Astor died when you were 16 but she was a big influence on you can you talk a little bit about that
1: well when my grandmother had a house at Sandwich which is on the coast here and Aunt Nancy Astor had one too and we used to spend all this both every summer with you know a few weeks with my grandmother and then we'd move to the bigger house which Aunt Nancy had had her brother-in-law designed it and built it and it was on three floors and the top floor was all for children purely just for children so you're always there with lots of cousins of all different ages and aunt Nancy was sort of she was such a sort of strong personality and we always went for lunch with her um because we were boarding school we come up to London on the school train go and have lunch with her and, and so we saw quite a lot of her, and then Emily, my cousin, was able to get into the Astor archive, which is at Reading University, because we needed to get, that's where we got quite a lot of the photographs, and she found, and on that he never threw anything away, and so she found, All the thank you letters that my sister Melissa and my brother Henry had written to her. And there were, you know, one one from me said, Dear Aunt Nancy, thank you for the Harrods voucher, which is always what we got every Christmas. Um, I've got measles, but I'm getting up for tea. (laughs) (laughs) And anyway, all this is archived, which is so funny. She was wonderful to us, and she very much loved all cousins being together, and she was really fun. She had a lot of energy, so did Nancy Lancaster, as did my grandmother, I think, thank God, I inherited that. Um, You know, they had a lot of energy throughout their lives.
0: Now, speaking of your grandmother, did she coin the term always Virginian, never American?
1: I think she must have done that. I'll tell you why, because when I married Charles Churchill, obviously was, you know, his grandmother was a Vanderbilt. But my grandmother said to me, how can you marry a (laughs) Yangtze? So I think it must have been her who said that.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. So like... Everyone else, Lockdown forced you to sort through a pile of family albums that had been sitting on the floor for ages. And among them was an ancient, hardbound volume with the Mirador cookbook, W.A., embossed on it. I
1: would love to Actually, hear about that. Yes, it, again, they never threw letters away. My mother went to Foxcroft because it was during the war, as did her sister. And... um you know, every letter that our Nancy asked had ever written to them or they'd written to her. We found all these letters that my grandmother had and within it was this the Mirador cookbook. And this was at the beginning of lockdowns. So we finally had time to go through it all. And so I decided that it'd be or with my brother decided it'd be a good idea to somehow do a book about it. But I didn't want to do just another recipe book because everybody's done that but, but so I decided the only way to do it was to ha- was with an angle to write about them as people and how amusing they were and the way they entertained and that kind of thing because after all quite a lot of books are on Nancy Lancaster and there's certainly ones on Nancy Astor so it needed to have an angle and this is what I think has made it become successful because they've come to life as people now even though they've been dead for a very long time and you know there's some very funny things in it and so you know we published it just before Christmas and it was a huge success here and now Rizzoli have published it in America and they're thrilled with the way it's going there so I think we got it right and everyone said are you going to do a sequel well I mean no because I would only do one if I could think of an angle for it you know there's no point just cranking out a book.
0: There are so many good quotes in this so um (laughs) I read um Nancy Lancaster was gifted with a rare social fearlessness unknown in Edwardian England. Nancy said to a pompous British cabinet minister at Clifton, having gotten the attention of the whole table, quote, I know your wife thought you were a bore when she married you because she told me so, but nobody could have thought you'd be as bad as this, end quote
1: the rest i heard that but i think that must have been said i bet you that was said by nancy astor it's much more a nancy astor remark oh really well that's my, my that would be my but yeah especially if it's to a cabinet minister because after all she was the one in parliament yes. i think that yes bound to have been nancy, that's a very nancy astor remark
0: yes mm. another um a a really great nancy astor quote is uh Winston, if I were your wife, I'd put poison in your tea. And Winston Churchill Mm, responding, Nancy, if I were your husband, I'd drink it.
1: Mm, It's a very famous remark that comes up all the time. Um, (laughs) Very funny. They both were very quick repartee, but in a sort of, amusing way. So amusing.
0: So American. <laughs> it kind of, as you know, as it says in the book, fearless. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So this book offers up 75 recipes and showcases menus that combine English dishes like parsley soup, game pie, Cliveden baked haddock fillets, and Southern American classics such as Virginia ham and pickled peaches, stewed Creole tomatoes, and beaten biscuits to name a few. This is a collection of simple, direct, delicious recipes. And what I love about it is nothing is overcomplicated.
1: Well, that's why we very much chose ones like that, which also showed how they they sort of mixed um, English food in with very American food at that time, which really wasn't done. But none of them, as you say, are that difficult and they're all delicious. And of course, they're things that I remember very well. Aunt Nancy likes to often, as you probably saw at the beginning of the book, there's quite a lot of egg dishes. She, she loved egg dishes. We often had that egg mousse or the Mrs. Gibson's egg dish and that kind of thing, which I still eat now. And I certainly remember the baked had fillets and the crayon tomatoes. And you know, there were just things that she always had. So I read in the book,
0: I think, or in my research, that both of the Nancy's kind of disrupted English menus by combining the American food and the English.
1: Well, they very much introduced salads and things like that, which wasn't really done then in the same way. And, you know, it was rather sort of grand French food because they all had, you know, the posh houses had sort of French chefs. But they made it much simpler. And I think that's what people really liked. I mean, you know, people absolutely loved it and was very much commented on at the time. And I learned that they also brought over cooked lobster. Apparently, absolutely, that's what I, I found. Um, obviously not in my day, but certainly before. And I think they used to have, Nancy, they used to have the Virginia ham sent over as well.
0: Oh, I would love for you to talk about that recipe um, that's on page 45, Virginia ham with pickled peaches. I
1: remember that every Christmas because she always had that. But what I loved about it was that it was always absolutely sliced, unbelievably thin. And I can't sort of look at great thick ham because I was used to having that wonderful, very, very thin Virginia ham melted in your mouth. And I think it's much nicer. And I'm amazed that that hasn't sort of completely become what people would have now, but they seem to have stuck to it being rather thicker.
0: So, Game Pie is on page 52. um, And that's something I'm not familiar with, but it's so beautiful. It's almost like a pate enveloped by a lovely puff pastry crust can you please describe this? And when would game pie be served?
1: Well, probably for sort of um, like, you know, for a shooting weekend or a hunting weekend, because obviously it's made with game that came off the estates and things like that. And so it's a very English thing. It's sort of pheasant or uh, grouse or whatever birds have been shot. There was one recipe that we didn't put in, which said, add squirrel for taste. (laughs) Yum. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, you said yum, I said yuck. Hmm.
0: (laughs) I'm with you, though. Yes. This book features the family's original china silver and decor with previously unseen family photographs peppered throughout. An homage to joyful, entertaining in the English country style, this book is surely to appeal to Anglophiles and culinary historians alike. Could you chat a little bit about the photos?
1: Well, we were very lucky because as we did this book during lockdowns, believe it or not, you were allowed to do photo shoots in lockdown so we managed to get a very very good photographer um, because he obviously wasn't being booked up for many things and so he was absolutely brilliant and we, we were able to go it was lovely we had Clifton to ourselves and Ditchley to ourselves and the picture of the orchid plates those were Aunt Nancy Lancaster's and they belonged to her granddaughter Isabella Tree um, I was thrilled with the photographs I think they've come across really really well
0: Another quote I love from Nancy Lancaster goes, Southern hospitality started because people lived deeply in the countries, separated from each other by miles and miles of impassable roads. They were so lonely that when they saw people going by, they'd say, damn it, stranger, stop and have a drink or I'll
1: shoot you. Well, you know, they lived miles away from anywhere. And I think because my great-grandfather was involved in the train lines, he managed to get the train to stop at Greenwood. And so they did have people. And also they... They were a very big family they were used to numbers they were used to being with a lot of people and that I think went on all through their lives really and particularly family they were very family-minded I mean I can remember Melissa and I often having to go going to entertain Virginian cousins who'd arrive in London who were probably nearer our age and on that would entertain them I mean you know they were very very well which is just such a nice attitude and it was always like that all through their lives.
0: So I'd love to hear a little bit about your company Jane Churchill and And what projects are you working on at the moment?
1: I've been here the longest in the Pimlico Road. And Pimlico Road just seems to get better and better. And we've got, you know, Robert Keim and Luca Irwin and Chelsea Textiles. And they've all come to this area. Now they're building a whole lot of new shops. And I've been in this business for a very long time. And um, yes, I've got some great projects at the moment. I'm doing two big houses in London. I'm doing a house in Greece. I've just done a flat in Gravener Square, a big flat in Sloane Street one's for a French couple, one's for Irish, one's for Italian. So it's all sort of a nice cosmopolitan mixture.
0: Where can we find you on the web and social media?
1: On Instagram, I'm Jane Churchill Interiors, and then I also have a website, Jane Churchill Interiors, where you can see projects that I've done over the years. To purchase
0: entertaining in style, Nancy Astor and Nancy Lancaster, head on over to decoratingbythebook.com or cook by the book.com. and thanks jane for coming on my very first simulcast podcast on decorating by the book and cookery by the book
1: well thank you so much for asking me i'm very honored that you asked me thank you so much i really enjoyed it
0: follow decorating by the book on instagram and thanks for listening to the one and only interior design book podcast decorating by the book